Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the Spotlight. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined this week by a very special guest. You know him. You've seen him everywhere. You've seen him on this channel before. You've seen him on the Spotlight before. And our, the only episode we've done where we've had the guest on for longer than like an interview portion the only live guest who has been on this show actually come to think of it uh you've seen him on overbooked uh, every week with me with uh the true heel guys we've previously with degrassi dudes you see him on about 30 other different platforms from believe to wrestle talk to inside the ropes mr new media mr forbidden door he's sv3 how you doing buddy the new media forbidden door. I'm, I'm thinking of starting a Love Island podcast now because <laughs> I've been in the UK so long that I started watching Love Island with the misses. But I am so excited. That's FMC. To be here. We're just talking about Love Island on, S- that on is true. FMC. <laughs> that is true. We, we were too busy with the challenge where I'm beating everybody in my draft picks. You are. But- <laughs> be kicking the shit out of me and share. <laughs> but I am so excited to be back on the spotlight as a co-host to fill in for my fellow Degrassi dude, Steven Jensen. Hope that he's doing well. Got to talk to him a little bit yesterday. Um, so, yes, I'm very excited to talk about the week in wrestling and have an opportunity to talk wrestling with Jeremy on his platform. He came over on True Hill Heat. Now I'm on his platform. Everything's coming together. The forbidden door goes both ways in wrestling media. <laughs> 
<laughs> you really are the forbidden door. You're everywhere, man. You you really are everywhere. I know I, I've told you this many times then when you're on the show previously, like I just admire your work ethic and just how much you put into to all of this. And you're one of my favorite people in not only in this, this business, but just in life in general. Um, Everyone send your well wishes, wish, wishes, can't speak, uh, well wishes to, to Steven Jensen. He did get hit with the 19 last week. I think he messaged me on like Friday. He's like, yeah, I tested positive. If you watched last Thursday's show, you could tell that Jensen was really like feeling it. He was, he was down last Thursday. He went on a very emotional, uh, I don't even say it was a rant, but like a speech. He's like, I think I just like blacked out for a second. I don't know what happened. I just started hallucinating. <laughs> he was, he was going through it. Uh, it was, it was tough and he was, he was battling, but we had so much to talk about last week with the Sasha stuff, Vince, Jeff Hardy. It was a big episode last week with just a lot to get into and Jensen didn't want to miss it. And he's been under the weather all week. He's resting up. He should be back next week. And so I messaged HP3 like very late last night. It was just before Dino. I was like, hey, you want to do the show? And then he's like, yeah, of course. Anything for you? And then we didn't like send each other. To- I didn't even send you my topics. You sent me yours this morning. We're basically ripping up the script for the show today. Uh, it's going to be a little bit all over the place today. Not going to be a traditional spotlight show. I do have some uh, some run-ins planned you know we got to have the big show closing brawl aw loves that stuff we got to have people that you might not know just randomly appearing and we're just gonna act like they're big stars and they're big deals like you should love this person watch them in action on sunday and forbidden door uh yeah look at the big pop from us but then the casuals you know the casuals sp3 they're like who are these people we don't know we don't know kazuchika okada what is this person we doing? Don't, we here? don't know Shoto Aminu. Who's yeah. shooter? Who's shooter? <laughs> Who's this random person just coming out and brawling with Chris Jericho at the end of the show? Why should we care about any of this? Uh, Dynamite last night. We're not going to review the, the full show, but Okada was there, SP3. Uh, we weren't sure if he was going to show up. There was kind of mixed messages. Hangman called him out. And then it was like, oh, well, his wife is, might be having a baby around this time. He doesn't want to miss that. He was there. They're doing a, a four-way bout at the, the pay-per-view. Jay White defending against Okada, Hangman, and Cole. It was great to see Okada. He did get a big reaction, as you would kind of expect from that audience. Him being on like a weekly television show felt very out of place for me i don't know if you got the same vibe but when he comes out and he's like just kind of walking he's like oh i gotta do like this like brawl type thing in the middle of a show he felt like it just didn't know what he was doing in that moment because that's not typically like okada's thing he does his match he might cut do the you know the the show closing promo where he sends the crowd home happy but just random run in middle of the show to do a brawl he, he looked like he was going two left feet there. I don't know if you got to the same vibe on that, but what did you think of Okada's appearance last night? Oh, I was I was so happy. I was like the fan in the crowd when I heard the coin drop. I was like, yes, it's happening. It's happening. I saw some people thought they were setting up a tag team match, but I've said for a couple of weeks now that I wanted to see a four-way. I wanted to see Jay White defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Hangman Adam Page, against Adam Cole, against Kazuko Okada, because it was very obvious Cole and Page were going to be a part of this scenario in some way. My 
my my first wish was to have white versus hangman because i felt like that story kind of just plays itself out there they have history from new japan uh hangman was cutting all these promos about being a lonely bullet club member so how about him versus the leader of the bullet club a guy that kind of went past him kind of started after him but just sped past him in the wrestling industry and got to the top of new japan before he was able to get to the top of aew but i will say yeah it was weird being the uh, you know okada on a aew show it, he's not really used to that i think the only time i remember him coming out in like street clothes for like a brawl was when uh jay white first became the leader of the bullet club and that was all the way back in 2018 so it's been four years since he's come out for a brawl in regular attire not in his regular ring gear so yeah it, it felt kind of weird but the moment is what matters the moment where he came out got that huge pop from the milwaukee crowd and then the moment where he went face to face with hangman adam page that was electric and that's what aew wanted and honestly i felt bad for tony storm and Marina shafir having to follow that because i felt like okada should have closed the show like after that after his debut i was like he should have closed the show and especially after what we got at the end of the show the random brawl like we all said because everyone knows shoto amino that's shoto amino come on I felt bad Moxley and Tanahashi are in the ring, like just squaring off for what felt like 20 minutes. It, it like that brawl seemed like it lasted forever. Like during the match, uh, Tony Schiavone always does, we're going to stick with this until it ends. We can overrun and everything's like, y'all should have cut off like two minutes early. Cause Moxley and Tanahashi just sitting there jawing for forever. It's just like, okay, can we, can we move this along? The chaos going along around the ring. Nobody knows these people. I felt bad for those two. Yeah, the Okada moment probably should have happened at the end. I mean, I felt bad for Marina and Shafir and Tony Storm following anything because we knew what was going to happen in that match. Shafir, she always comes out to no reaction. Like, they're they're trying to act like it's a big deal, but she loses all the time on television. It's like, okay, we get it. She's there. You can tell me her record is 9-2 and two or whatever, but every time we've seen her on main television she's lost her matches have been what they've been so they were never going to be able to follow anything but yeah the 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 show closing brawl they do it every go home pay-per-view i swear it's just like oh it's wait it's go home week for AEW. let's just do a big brawl to close it out and that's what they did yeah shoda's out there i was like oh cool it's shoda and everybody's like what is happening is this segment over is it what are we doing here I, I was half expecting Moxley and Tanahashi to just be like, yeah, the plan is for us not to touch until the pay-per-view, but man, we've been in the ring so long. We got to start punching each other. Like, like I thought yeah, they were just going to go into business other? for themselves. <laughs> go into oh, business for yourself at that point when they're waiting so long to, to cut this whole thing. But yeah, they love that show-closing brawl because it worked so well at Full Gear 2019. One of their best go-home shows they ever did was one of the first... Oh, was the very yeah the very first episode the very first pay-per-view after they got they went on live with dynamite was that that 2019 brawl between the elite and the inner circle that was the best one they ever did i think they they did a really good one before all out when the cage came down and the elite were beating up everybody because that was like a foreshadowing for what was going to come at all out when brian danielson kind of came on the babyface side and even things up for the elite so that was really good as well so i won't say that they 
peaked too early because I would think that one is just as good as the Full Gear 2019. But if I could only name two times that this effectively worked and that it was memorable, but they do it before every pay-per-view, yeah, it's a law of diminishing returns. People want to complain about Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns so much. AEW's Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns is the <laughs> the pre-pay-per-view uh, show brawl to end the show. Moxley should have just hauled off and hit him. I, I'm with you that they they probably didn't want to touch or anything, but like Tanahashi, like I love Tanahashi, him like flexing and posing and everything. I'm all for that, but man, everyone's just brawling around. You just like start throwing punches or something, and then Tony Schiavone can scream about the tape machines are rolling if we we missed anything here. Uh, somebody mentioned that Sammy Guevara was just like oh, the dude no selling Sammy pop me back up any bill. Uh, it was it was something that show closing brawl. It was good. It was good to see Okada. They they finally got him. Zack Saber Jr. came out as well. Uh, and Brian Danielson, unfortunately, unfortunately announced that he's missing Forbidden Door, not wrestling uh, Zack Saber Jr. and then not wrestling at Blood and Guts. They're gonna get a replacement. I think the odds are like ninety nine percent. It's Cesaro. Is it like? Do you have anybody else? in mind of, of who it could be sv3 um i mean i got i got a couple of messages from people who was just like immediately thought it was like jonathan gresham forgetting that jonathan gresham uh. technically has already debuted in aew at aew yeah. battle of the belts too even though i think me jeremy and like 11 other people were the only people that watched that show <laughs> so they don't they don't it's not prevalent in their minds and i would think that if it's not a big debut a big surprise they they should have just announced it on the show yeah despite Brian being, you know, saying, oh, I'm a heel, so I'm not going to tell you. If it's Jonathan Gresham, just get it out the way and say Jonathan Gresham's replacing me. So people have a couple of days to get hyped off of what would be a technical wrestling clinic. So I have to believe and I'm praying that AEW has the rights to, you know, getting Claudio Castanoli Cesaro in AEW because he just fits the Blackpool Combat Club. He fits what Brian said about a guy that he trusts because he's been the biggest supporter of Cesaro both on screen and off screen during their time in WWE together and plus it fills the hole because the whole dynamic of the babyface team was this whole this whole animosity between Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston if there was one person in the world that Eddie Kingston hates more than Brian Danielson and possibly even CM Punk and Chris Jericho, it's Claudio Castanoli. So this would be yes. the perfect person to fill the hole against Zack Sabre Jr. at Forbidden Door and for the Blackpool, the, or as I like to call them, the Puerto Rican Combat Club with Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz, and the Blackpool Combat Club at Blood and Guts. I, I think it's Cesaro. You're, that, that's a good point about Eddie Kingston hating Cesaro. He talks shit about him all the time in interviews and on social media. Uh, I, I feel like they're going to do a very similar thing to it was ROH and CZW, C Cage of Death. Um, I think that's what it was called. I remember if you, you remember the storyline that they did with, with Samoa Joe um, and, and I think it was Homicide was part of that. But yeah, th that was a big thing of like, oh, whose side is he on? type of thing and then it turned out he was on the the roh side so it feels like it's going to be similar to that of like cesaro comes out eddie kingston is like hey what are you doing here like you prick and then it turns out cesaro is on team blackpool combat club he helps them win blood and guts like that would be 
my guess as to where it goes. Uh, people in the chat are saying Timothy Thatcher, Chris Hero, a couple of pops for The Fiend, which would be tremendous. Um, I, I saw Gargano as another name. Somebody threw out there Gargano, which would be good. Like, Gargano would be good, but it, I immediately said Cesaro. If you want to talk about like fitting Blackpool Combat Club history with William Regal, he was Regal's last match and everything. Like all of the all the elements line up. I could potentially see Samoa Joe, honestly, but if it's going to be Samoa Joe, you may as well just announce that instead of hey, it's a big surprise. It's somebody you've already seen before and we know and who's part of AEW. So why would you like hold that off? It does feel like it's going to be Cesaro. I tweeted it should be Sasha Banks. Uh, that that got a, a pop. Sean Ross Sapp, 10 minutes later, check the timestamps, everybody. Then he tweeted it was Sasha Banks. Uh, so we all know where Sean gets his information <laughs> from. It's me, as usual. Um, homicide would be good, but I don't think Homicide is going to do like full-time AEW contract. Uh, Wyndham, yeah. if it's the Fiend, fucking Fiend against Zack Sabre Jr., I'd I'd be the only person who just popped for that one. I'm sure other other people would get like ironic pops out of it, but man, that would be great. That'd be so great. Yeah. No, I didn't include yeah, a picture of Sasha Banks. I don't need cheap pops on Twitter. I just say it. Okay. I I just say it. I don't need the the picture to go along with it. Sean stole it from me. That's it. That's all it is. As he as he does everything, he's stolen all of his material from me. He does. You heard it here first. Jeremy is his source. When he says sources in one of those Fightful Select reports, it's Jeremy. But uh, yeah, (laughs) like I said, like Cesaro kind of just checks all the boxes for Brian Danielson says. His history with him, one guy that he trusts, a guy that can fit in with the Blackpool Club, a guy that can have a technical wrestling masterpiece with Zack Sabre Jr., at, at Forbidden Door and can get violent because he has that history in CCW, all the, you know, Cage of Death, all that type of stuff. And, you know, so he would fit the bill for Blood and Guts. And he just, yeah, he just fits. This is a guy that William Regal said himself. If there's one guy outside of AEW that he would want in, you know, a, uh, in the Blackpool Combat Club, it would be Claudio Castanoli, a.k.a. Cesaro. So he just checks all the boxes in so many ways, especially that Eddie Kingston beef. If I had to pull one outside source of a guy that's in AEW, maybe Daniel Garcia. This is something that they haven't really oh, built to, but turn. we did get that. Yeah, we did get that face-to-face with Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. So maybe Daniel feels like, you know, Sammy Guevara is the is the more is the more loved son. He's basically the triple H to Daniel Garcia, <laughs> Shane McMahon, and Chris Jericho is Vince. He's found a better sports entertainer that he loves more and that he'll wish happy birthday to in a more thoughtful way <laughs> than he will for him. So yeah, Daniel Garcia is another guy, and he's a guy that went toe-to-toe with Brian Danielson and Brian. Brian Danielson said he's like he's like his wrestling son. So that might be another guy that he trusts. And that's a guy that can have a technical wrestling clinic with Zack Sabre Jr. as well. So if I had to pick one that's in AEW already that they would want to like keep as a surprise, maybe Daniel Garcia. But I think we're both on the same page. Cesaro just fits the build of a, like a surprise debut that kind of checks all the boxes for what Brian said. Uh, WWE talk for a little bit. SP3. Brock is back. I don't know if you saw that, but 
Brock is back. You excited? You excited for Brock Roman? You did. You made a great point on on Pillar to Post on what was that show now? Tuesday. This is Game Seven. Brock and Roman. <laughs> it's three three. Not not really, but we'll call it three three. And Game Seven, Last Man Standing match. You got me more hype than this for for this match than anything WWE did. Because like when Brock came out. When Roman's like, I've beaten everybody, I was like, oh, man, they're just going to bring back Brock, aren't they? I was hoping it was Shane McMahon. It wasn't. But Brock comes out. It's like, all right, sure, Brock, here we go. I don't have much excitement for this. But then your Game 7 theory, I'm with it. This is how they should sell this, SP 3 Sell it like some real sports. I'm with it. Otherwise, I don't care. Unless you're involved, unless you're on television hyping this up, SP 3 I don't care about this match at all. Man, they need me. I've been telling. I've been telling the misses like, like go, go back, when she goes back to the office. Tell them that I'm I'm open to being on the creative team because this is Game Seven, ladies and gentlemen. And no one has ever in in Game Seven in the NHL playoffs, in the MLB play. I don't think so. In the MLB, I don't know MLB too well. In the NBA playoffs, no one has ever come back from a 3-0 lead and won four straight. That no, is what in, Roman. It's not what? happened in the NBA. It's happened a couple times in hockey. It has happened a couple times in hockey. I don't know about baseball. I haven't. I don't pay enough attention to baseball. Well, this has never happened in in a in a major sport. <laughs> a major sport. Yes, I'm no selling NHL. This has never happened in a major sport that a team has come back from a 3-0 lead. And that's what Roman Reigns is striving for, ladies and gentlemen. He lost three straight, pretty much, against Brock Lesnar. He lost at WrestleMania 15. He lost at WrestleMania 34. He couldn't he couldn't come back and win at great at the greatest Royal Rumble. He didn't win. He didn't didn't lose either but he didn't win at the greatest <laughs> royal rumble but he has won four straight he won at SummerSlam 2017 he won at crown jewel 2021 he won at wrestlemania 38 you thought it was done no he needs to win more than he has lost he needs to walk out with the gold four straight times against Brock Lesnar, and that's what he plans to do at SummerSlam. The biggest, the greatest, the most stupendous SummerSlam match of all time. Last man standing. The man that walks out wins the feud, and it is over after that. Unless someone gets injured again. But it is (laughs) over after that. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, Game 7 at SummerSlam. Uh, people are pointing out Red Sox over Yankees in 04 was a 03 that the Sox came back from. That is true. Uh, I, oh, fever oh. pitch taught me that. I should have remembered fever pitch. I, uh, I try I try to forget that because I am a Yankee fan. I'm trying to try to erase I thought you hated New memory. York teams. I, I told you only the Yankees I like because I live next to Yankee Stadium. So whenever they hit a home run, I can hear it from my terrace and I never have to go to a game. You're so bandwagoned with the Lakers and the Yankees and who's your football team? The Cowboys. <laughs> I, know, I know my football team was Peyton Manning until he retired. I remember, yeah, ladies and I know. So yes. no, but I, I I've always been a Yankee <laughs> fan. That's the only New York team I I I you know I'm a I'm a fan of. I hate all the other New York teams and the Lakers. It was because my dad was a Lakers fan. He showed me the old Magic Johnson tapes when I was young. So even before Kobe, I loved the Lakers. 
I I can't slander you too much because I do I do love you. But anyone who's like a Yankees and Lakers fan, it always just trips me out. Of of course, you're just like both of these teams. It's the the two most prominent teams in like sports history, especially in their respective sports. Of course, you are just like both of them. And then usually those people are Cowboys fans as well because they just that that's who was dominated in the '90s, right? The Cowboys with the triplets. I just assume you're a Cowboys fan. You will be soon enough, I assume. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Brock's back. I'm excited because it's game seven. Otherwise, I don't care about this. And yeah, they'll they'll do it. And if they, they won't do it again unless somebody gets hurt, then they'll have to do it again. It is unfortunate all these injuries because it looks like we were setting up for um for Orton at SummerSlam. Orton's been on a really good run the past year with the tag stuff. So it would have been cool for him to, to have this moment. He's actually still over in the company, but this is the problem when you've built nobody else. Like they just, all right, we got to go back to Brock because we have no one else to go with in this spot, especially with guys injured. I think Seth would have been a better call. Joel Pearl is pushing the Seth agenda that Seth wins money in the bank and then cashes in at SummerSlam. He got called out on that on pillar to post because his theory is like good, but then his logic is awful because it's a last man standing match. Joel Pearl's just trying to like book around things. He's trying to WWE this. I'm trying to bring logic into it. That is my fault for trying to bring logic into WWE. I guess uh, Kevin Owens would have been good, but he lost to Austin and now he's with this Ezekiel Elias. What's the other one? Eber Ebersol, Dick Ebersol, uh, Bolt. Elron. Elron. Okay. This show is sponsored by better help. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, sure. Um, <laughs> honestly, like, as much as I, I think Owen should be in a better position as far as, like, challenging for the title, this stuff, he's so good. He is so, so good at this. And, like, the, the Elias Ezekiel Elrond stuff now, Elrod, Elroy from the Jetsons. Uh, it's so, it's it's good shit. It, it's good WWE shit. It really is. I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, like, Owens makes it so good. Him and Sammy just, like, throw him into anything, and I'm probably going to watch it because as dumb as it might be, they're going to make it entertaining. Those guys are the most consistent and reliable guys that can take anything in WWE that they give them and make it work. Like Sami Zayn made a feud with Johnny Knoxville, the best buildup getting going into WrestleMania. Uh, Kevin Owens was given Stone Cold Steve Austin never showing up on TV before WrestleMania and made that very intriguing and to the fact that they built it up as a talk show and people were still interested in it regardless of them promoting that it was going to be a match ahead of time. Everybody walked out of it being satisfied with what they were offered. So yeah, they deserve something at the end of this tunnel, whether it's them teaming up together and finally winning tag team gold in, in WWE which still to this day surprises me that they never went that route when they were together back in, what was it, 2017, 2018. They never went for the tag team championships. They were just too busy feuding with the commissioner and general manager at the time. But uh, these guys are just so consistent, so great at what they do. And Kevin Owens has been the glue to what has been the be one of the best things in WWE, which is the Elias Ezekiel Elron story. And I have to give it to Elias. I've said it once, I'll say it again. When the bell rings, no one cares. But before the bell rings, this guy just gets character work so yeah. well. And that segment backstage, I got to hand it to WWE production. They did such an excellent job at that segment. Just the little camera tricks, having the, the differences between the two characters. You could see it visually on screen and you could see it in their dialogue of what they were saying. It was just so well shot. It was just great work. And then Eli Ezekiel showing up on the big screen while Elias is in the ring. They just did that so well to a T, but it's really Kevin Owens' reaction to all of it that is making it get over with the fans because the fans want to see Kevin Owens go crazy and eventually lose to Ezekiel or Elias or Elrond. So they have invested fans in this feud that it, by all intents and purposes, should have been over after Hell in a Cell when Kevin Owens beat Ezekiel, but people are still entertained by it. Owens is just, he's so good at this stuff. And he's he's just great in that system. And I understand why he wanted to stay in that system because he is a constant on television. And even if like we think it's bad creative and it's like, oh, he's not really doing anything. Same with Sammy's. Like they're on TV all the time though. And they're given prominent stuff. Like this is the best thing on Raw. It's, it's really the best thing 
on Raw. I'm trying to think, like, especially now that Cody and, and Seth and done are done, like that that was very good. Um, like the women's stuff is is fine. I think Bianca should be probably more more featured as like the top person. It's still a lot about like Becky and now Asuka. Uh, Bianca has caught some tough breaks with with Rhea Ripley being injured. Um, and now they're going back to Carmella, which remember when she faced Carmella about 300 times when she first got called up to the main roster. It's like, yeah, let's just go back to Carmella. I feel like Carmella was like her first title defense after she beat Sasha as well. I could be wrong on that, but I just feel like she's faced Carmella so, so often. And I don't need to see this ever again, but that's what we're getting. Um, but like the own stuff has been so consistent and he's just, he's just great in that system. And you're right about Elias, Ezekiel, whatever, Elrod. Um, as a wrestler, fine, whatever. But his entertainment aspect, he's always been good at that. Even like the, the Elias stuff playing the guitar. You know, there were the stories of like he wanted to learn how to play guitar and like really be good at this because he knew this was just going to be something that he could hit with. And it, it's worked out for him. He's got this consistent role on television. And yeah, when WWE wants to do cool production shit like this, they can do it. They obviously have the means and the resources to do it. And then they just want to have people stand in the ring for 20 minutes and do 500 camera cuts. It's like, okay, what are you doing with your production? But this, bless Kevin Owens, just a just a five-star performer, like top to bottom, a five-star performer. Uh, Money Mark mentions Owens and Sammy versus the Usos at SummerSlam. I'm for it. I don't know who's the baby face yeah. in that, if, unless they like kind of go shades of gray where they kick Sammy out. I guess Sammy's basically kicked out anyway, but Sammy's like not part of the bloodline and Sammy goes to Owens and they form a, like a, a partnership there and they go for it. Like I'm, I'm totally for it. I think SummerSlam might be a little too soon. Cause that's in like a month. I don't know if they're going to get that going that quickly. Um, but now I'd say like, it'd be good to have them on both shows because they are such great performers, but let's be honest, the brand split doesn't exist at this point. They're just putting people Owens was on SmackDown the other week. Wasn't he? Like he was just yeah. he was doing the KO show just like randomly. So it's like, you don't need them to have titles to be on both shows. You just put them on both shows. They don't even explain it anymore. I think Los yeah, Barrios was on like Raw one week randomly against Finn Balor and AJ Styles. So yeah, they don't even care to explain it anymore. But 100%, I agree with you with Bianca Blair. You thought after that classic matchup with Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, they were like, okay, we're finally going to see Bianca as the top female in WWE, but it's been more about Becky Lynch's response of, you know, reacting to losing the title than it's been about Bianca Belair being the top woman. And, you know, she caught a tough break with Rhea Ripley, but honestly, I thought that the result for Money in the Bank should have been Rhea Ripley beating Bianca Belair, so I don't know how that was going to turn out to well for Bianca seeing as Rhea just turned on uh, edge with the rest of Judgment Day I thought the way to solidify that group was to have Rhea Ripley win the Raw Women's Championship but now that group is on main event with Rhea Ripley down uh, so hopefully she has a speedy recovery I think she put on Instagram that it's either uh, brain or teeth uh, injury or both yeah. uh, that she's dealing with she said that to a fan so hopefully she has a speedy recovery from that but yeah, that Carmella thing was just like this is WWE. This is what a WWE's go to. People talking about oh, their go to is to push that panic button and go to Brock. It seems like every time Bianca Belair has a an opponent who gets injured, Carmella is the replacement. Carmella was the replacement for Bailey uh, last year when she went down before Money in the Bank. Carmella was the person they brought out 
uh, as a replacement for Sasha Banks at SummerSlam before Becky Lynch returned. And now Carmella is the replacement for Rhea Ripley. Like, this is, I feel like I'm in a time loop. Like, I'm in the multiverse of madness when it comes to Brock and Roman and Carmella being the challenger for Bianca Belair. What is this, 2021 again? Oh, my goodness. It's crazy. He, he, here you go, SP3. Bianca Belair and Carmella have wrestled eight times in singles matches. Eight times since Bianca came up to, to the main roster. Um, Bianca's record, do you want to take a guess at what it is in these eight one-on-one matches? Eight and oh. Eight and oh. <laughs> eight and oh. And uh, six of them were on television. Two of them were on live events. Eight and oh. Only one match has been longer than 10 minutes. She's beaten her in under six minutes in, in on television in five of the six matches. One match went 11 minutes. The other, all sub six minutes. She just beats Carmella. Like, why, why is there any interest in this match? Who could possibly care about this match? Like, when was Carmella's last singles victory, honestly? Well, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Maybe it's a best of 17 series. So <laughs> Bianca needs one more win. You're not, you're not pulling to, that. To complete the sweep. You're not pulling that <laughs> one. Bianca Bell or not Bianca Belair. Uh Carmella's last one-on-one victory on television was October 2021 when she defeated Liv Morgan. Granted, she's only had three one-on-one matches. Since then, one of them, coincidentally, was against Bianca Belair in January, and she lost. And then she has losses to Ripley and losses to Naomi. Carmella, bless her. Like, she's a very good performer. I think she's actually yeah pretty underrated. And when it comes to uh, in-ring, like, you can see the improvement throughout the years. I think her character work has always been top-notch. She's a very good performer. But they've done nothing to give her like any type of momentum to act like she's a, a legitimate contender. She's been on te- she's been off television until she came back to win this like five way thing. <sighs> yeah, yeah. She, I think she came. She had her, you know, wedding and honeymoon. Then she came back to help Sonya Deville against Bianca Belair and see how that turned out for Sonya Deville and lost. And then Sonya slapped her and Zelina basically off of TV for more time. I think the only time that she showed up on TV after that was like a random backstage segment where they kind of teased that she was going to go after the 24-7 title and kind of do a reunion with R-Truth and help him uh, get the 24-7 title from Dana Brooke. But that didn't go anywhere. And now she's back on TV and the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. This Money in the Bank card went from looking very promising to I have really no interest in this. Like, is other than the Money in the Bank matches, like, I, I think that all the other matches are very much predictable on this card. I mean, the world title is not on the line. Roman's like, I ain't working this stupid show. Uh, <laughs> Cody's injury hurt things once it got moved from the stadium because they could barely sell out or they could barely get like that a quarter full once it got moved to the stadium to the just regular uh arena when they basically already sold all the tickets they needed to sell for that they're just like ah it's any other pay-per-view let's just do we don't need to load it up or anything here we go you got the two money in the bank matches that's it yeah the rest of the card i'm looking at this there ain't much there Bobby Lashley, poor guy. He's like, I want the world title. 
Eh, here's the U.S. title in theory. John Cena, he's coming back on Monday. John Cena, they they. Do you think that? Do you think that John Cena was maybe gonna be on this show, and then because it didn't sell enough, they were just like, eh, we're not gonna do it now, or? Like what? What do you think? Do you think John Cena was going to be on the show? Do you think he's going to be at SummerSlam? Because he's coming back. It feels like he's going to wrestle Theory at some point. Yeah, because they already had Theory start mentioning him in his promos, and it's becoming more and more apparent that that's probably the route that they're going to go. Or at the very least, if this is just a one-off to celebrate his twenty-year anniversary, they're just going to have a segment with him in Theory. But. uh yeah, I, I'm hoping that it's John Cena at SummerSlam because SummerSlam now needs a boost because Randy Orton and Roman Reigns, despite it happening at SummerSlam 2014, that's a very fresh matchup with the new character that Randy Orton had. And now you're just, uh, you know, tell, uh, bringing out this leftover match, Game 7 of the Brian Roman series in a last man standing match. SummerSlam needs more star power. And, you know, John Cena being on the card would add to that. Uh, I I'm, don't know how I would feel, though, about Theory beating John Cena oh, at SummerSlam be because, be awful. like, Oh man, that would that would just be so deflating for me because these John Cena returns just seem like he's coming back to job to somebody. He came back in 2019, he lost to the Fiend in the Firefly Funhouse. Came back in 2018 to lose to the Undertaker in like 2 minutes. Came back last year to lose to Roman Reigns at one televised match. This man wrestled like 10 times during his last return and they only had one of them televised. Like he Literally became the number one contender by by Finn Balor getting jumped by Baron Corbin and then him coming out and signing a contract. They didn't even have him win a match to get a match with Roman Reigns. Like, yeah, these these Cena returns are now having the law of diminishing returns as well. So hopefully, I would hope that maybe he comes back and has like a one month run with the U.S. title before dropping it in Cardiff. To, to theory, that would be entertaining and that would actually get people to start watching Raw again. They should have Cena come back and just beat Theory for the title. Even if he can't show up every week, just having him as the champion is a good look. And then, yeah, drop it in Cardiff. Honestly, he should just win it on Monday. And then if they want to drop it at SummerSlam, that's fine. But just win on Monday and just let him have a little one-month run. I think that that would be best-case scenario. That would be what I would do. I assume they're just going to set up the match and he's going to lose a SummerSlam. It's going to be very disappointing to watch John Cena, the great John Cena, SB3, the great John Cena lose to, to Theory. It's going to be horrible. I told I told the fiance I'm going to dress like John Cena for our wedding. I don't think she appreciated that. I'm going to come out and fool John Cena regalia, wearing jorts to the wedding. And you're going to have the, the, the towel. And you're gonna be like, oh, yeah. I'm doing up. the whole thing. I'm going to have the towel, then, uh, the cameraman, do the salute. Let's, <laughs> let's let's go get married. Run down the aisle. <laughs> I'm going to do the whole thing. Set up a ring like it's Boy Meets World up in here. Yeah, I'm going to do the, the whole freaking thing. That's it That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see this so fast. You're going to be there. You're invited. October 2nd. That, that's the, that's no, the big no, spoiler. I, I, I want to see you do it. That's what I'm saying. I want yeah. to say, I want you to do it. Please, it's gonna please. It's gonna please, please, Mrs. Please. <laughs> <laughs> As we do, we got a couple of special guests from, uh, you know, we haven't talked about tag team wrestling. 
today. We haven't talked about tag team wrestling on the show. There's a lot of tag team wrestling at Forbidden Door because New Japan and AEW love their multi-person matches. Uh, there's tag yeah, team yeah. wrestling at um, at Money in the Bank. We just had new tag team champions in AEW. So from Tag Talk on Fightful Overbooked and a bunch of other platforms like Body Slam, our good friends over at Body Slam, it's Kylie and Haley. How you doing, girls? Hey. Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you guys? <laughs> good, good. It is, you know, we ripped wow. up the, the script and the format for this show. So I appreciate you guys jumping on last minute here. Uh, again, much, much appreciated. Let everyone know. And Haley, I'll start with you. Like, what's going on with, with Tag Talk? And what, which multi person, multi man match are you most excited for at Forbidden? <laughs> well, uh, Tag Talk is a new project at Fightful Overbooked with Kylie and I. If you've been longtime viewers um, on the Fightful Overbooked channel, we had a show together called Demo Divas, but this is kind of a new spin. Um, we both love tag team wrestling, so we talk all about that over there. Matches, reviews, um, we're going to have some interviews and things um, happening very soon. So yeah, we're very excited for that. Um Kylie, do you want to go first with your, with your match? Uh, I don't think there's any question. It's Bullet Club versus Dudes with Attitudes. I I love the name. I love I love the matchup. I love everything about this match. The Young Bucks are there. They're going to be entertaining. I don't know. I'm just so excited about it. Dudes with Attitudes. You can't top it. Sting. Sting's going to be doing the LIJ yeah. pose, just mm-hmm. like, you know, Tranquilo, <laughs> Sting out there. It's going to be great. Haley, which multi-person match are you most looking forward to? I mean, I would say the same because I am a big Young Buck stan. Um, you know, I'm going to say something that is so <laughs> out of pocket for me. Um, just because I love Suzuki so much, so I'm going to say the sixth man. <laughs> just because I want to see how chaotic it is. That's fine. I mean, I think the real answer here. I don't necessarily the- know that it's like you know up there for me. I just I want to see the energy it gives. You know. The real answer here is the buy-in match with the Gun Club and Max Caster against the LA oh, Dojo yes! guys. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, scissors, because Max Caster is the biggest star this company has. I don't care what anybody says. When that music hits, the, the reaction is insane. This man, that whole group is, is so over. I pop every single time I hear this music. And fiance is watching, I was, I'm just go like this. And she's like, no, absolutely not. She can't stand Max Caster, <laughs> uh, but I don't know why. That's, you know. She doesn't make all, all of her tastes. Most of her taste is like good. That's one that's one knock against her. She doesn't like Max Caster. But man, I love Gun Club and the Acclaim together. They rule. I can mm-hmm. it's a buy-in. It's gonna be great. People are gonna be hyped. I'm looking forward to that. Me too, definitely. I also think this is the best the gun club has been. Mm-hmm. I never liked them, yeah. but now I'm on board. I'm on Same. board with Billy <laughs> B- B- Billy and the Billy clones. <laughs> <laughs> the ass boys. Ass boys and daddy ass. <laughs> They're so good. Anthony Bowen's in the wheelchair getting the pop because he it. actually remembers the, the ta- name of the town. Scissor me daddy ass. Yes. 
yeah. best so catchphrase in the business. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I don't know if they have the Scissor Me Daddy Ash shirt. I don't know if like how many people would wear that out in public, but I'm sure they would. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not being, I, I love the acclaimed. I want them to have a yo listen shirt. I will buy that. And I never buy mm. wrestling shirts. I will buy a yo listen shirt. I'm not buying a Scissor Me Daddy Ash shirt. So <laughs> If I do, it's staying in the house. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I just can't. I can't pull that off out in public. I'm not. I'm very comfortable in who I am. I'm not comfortable enough to wear a scissor me daddy ass shirt. I'll call it. Bless y'all three. Y'all are. Y'all are. Y'all are more man than I am. You got it. There you go. <laughs> are y'all excited for the? Money in the bank match between the Usos and the Street Profits, Kylie. Um, yes, because both of these tag teams, well, they're both very great tag teams. They're the best WWE has to offer in the yeah. tag division. I just don't think that sort of the lead up to this match or anything really with the Usos in a long time has been productive or has given me the impression that WWE cares, but I know with these two teams, they'll do great with what they have to work with. And I'll probably finish the match thinking, wow, that was like four stars, five stars. It's going to be great. Haley. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, for me, the Usos and the street profits are two tag teams that I kind of hold to like a different level. I think that they both kind of do something uh, different for the tag division. Um, so I'm definitely excited, and I agree that I'll probably walk out of it with probably four or five stars as well. What do you think of our uh, – somebody threw it out in the chat that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn should win the tag team titles and feud mm. with the Usos. I think of this duo winning, Kylie. Uh, I've always said that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn should be paired up in anything, mm -hmm. whether they're rivals or they're tag team partners, just because they're both – always way way more over when they're working with each other i think the fans are super invested in them as as best friends as enemies whatever they are um i think as a tag team people forget how important they were to sort of the tag team revolution in pwg and roh and you know moving forward um i think that as tag team champions they would be very interesting i think wwe could really boost the tag division by having people like them who are bona fide, you know, tag teams, you know, uh, experts, people who are skilled in tag team wrestling, not just, you know, makeshift pairs. And of course, the Usos, mainstays of the tag team division, have always been, um, in my opinion, underrated as a tag team. They work really well together. And I think the Usos have been improving tremendously in the last five years in all aspects of their wrestling. So, these these two tag teams would put on great matches. I think the fans would be into it. I think WWE only has room to grow. Last one, Kyle or Haley. We have a big tag team match at Forbidden Door. Not a multi-person match, uh, multi-team match, but winner take all match. FTR, uh, United Empire, and Rapongi Vice. Who walks away with all the gold? I mean, it's got to be FTR, obviously. <laughs> what Very a confident in this pick. Very confident. I love how you asked me and not Kylie because you knew that she would say FTR. <laughs> there, there's no other I mean, choice. <laughs> it could be Common and Common O'Con. It could be. They rule. 
They They're do. great too, but it's FTR. Great, great Ocon adventures, just traveling the the U.S. We saw what he did in Vegas. Imagine this man going, you know, he, they were in Milwaukee last night, just going, going to Brewers games, drinking a bunch of beer. Like, it'd be great. How if many, the, how many lives was, has Dax or Cash saved? Great yeah. Ocon has saved one. That's all I right. got to say. Exactly. Thank you, SB3. I want the, the U.S. adventures of the Great Ocon. This is what the world needs. The world needs this. Why are you, why are you giving me that look? We saw what this man did in Vegas. He's riding, he's riding dick bounce things. I don't know what they, they call like, yeah. What, what are those things called? A mechanical he was dick. Riding, mechanical yeah. dick. Thank you. He's, <laughs> he's riding mechanical dicks. He's grabbing ass, hanging out with. I, I don't want to. I don't know what these women do in their personal life. I'm, I'm sure they're doctors <laughs> or something like that. But he's very, very scantily clad women. He's grabbing asses. He's saving lives in Japan. Great Ocon fucking rules. American adventures. Take them town to town. Let them go to New York and visit the the Statue of Liberty. There you go, SP3. Let them go to these, uh, you know, AEW goes to kind of smaller venues and stuff. Let them go to Des Moines, Iowa. I don't know what there is to do there. Let them just go there. <laughs> be like, here, find something to do. It's U.S. adventures of Great Ocon. This is what the world needs. Well, he could still do that, just not with the titles. He can go on a bender. No. He lost. He's on a bender. <laughs> <laughs> it's better if he has the titles. FTR. Oh, cool. Let's do Bret Hart stuff. Ooh, Bret Hart. How, Bret how do you root against Cash's mullet? The man has committed to the mullet. He deserves a reward for that. And the reward is all the tag team titles. Like I like FTR. I have nothing against him. I, I'm a big Bret Hart fan. But Adventures, U.S. Adventures is a great Ocon walking around with all the gold and stuff so much better than let's do a let's do a heart foundation match but they use a but they use a heart attack in this match watch out guys here comes a heart attack <laughs> masturbatory bret hart tribute yeah. all around <laughs> so I, I i do have a question for you guys because you know you said usos are one of the mainstays of wwe and this has been an online discussion for God knows how long, ladies. Where does the Usos rank in your all-time greatest tag teams? They're definitely up there. Um, I think in the ring, maybe they're not as innovative as like the Young Bucks or, you know, Rock and Roll or one of those teams. But I think when you look at their value to tag team wrestling, it's undeniable that they have kept the WWE tag team division afloat for many, many years. Uh, I think they're essential to tag team wrestling in that regard. And I think if the Usos aren't in WWE for that long, sort of suffering in the trenches, I don't think WWE has interest in teams like the Street Profits or the Creed Brothers down in NXT. I think if the Usos aren't there and the Usos aren't a proven, you know, commodity to WWE, WWE doesn't care. So when you look at it that way, in terms of value to tag team wrestling, their in-ring is great. I think their characters are great, especially when they uh, did the Uso Penitentiary and they made that turn. Um, I think you have to put them up there. If not top five, top ten, for sure. Definitely top ten. I mean, top ten is definitely fair. All time? Is that like an all-time top ten? I, mean, I would put in them my, in, in... I would. My tag team, uh, yeah, I would. top ten... <laughs> I don't know if they would be there because I, I, I've said okay. this opinion before. This is my first time saying it here. 
all the Usos really did was take the Young Bucks in ring style and the Briscoes day one promos, put it in a blender, and then put it on WWE. Wow! And made it Samoan. And that and that that's fair. <laughs> <Samoan, That's- laughs> Sprinkle dash of Samoan on it. <laughs> Like and that's that's fair but like they did it so well <laughs> like, <Yeah>. it. <laughs> wow i'll i'll put they're, they're top 10 all the time fuck the old dudes get the rock and roll express out of here the midnight express out of here all these Listen. old teams oh wrestling. no you're gonna upset so many people. they might they might like <laughs> I'm I'm playing off of FMC bits now, but yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna upset so many people with this. Uh, ladies, I appreciate you joining us on the show. Uh, Kylie, Haley, let everyone know again where they can find you at, both individually and together. Kylie, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so at, like Haley said earlier, we have Tag Talk, which is on Fightful Overbook. It's Sundays at five. We talk all things tag team wrestling. We have a lot of big plans for it. You can also see me and my co-host Kyle on Body Slam every Monday at three for Code of Honor podcast, where we talk about Ring of Honor. We have a lot of big things coming with that, of course, as you know, we have a new pay-per-view and TV and all sorts of things. Um, And also follow me on Twitter at Fuller underscore Kylie for all my projects and things as they come along. Haley? And me, you can find me on Twitter at Haley Ann. I obviously do tag talk with her. Um, I have some new projects in the works with Body Slam and some other places. And I also do like writings and stylings at a bunch of different websites. So you can check out my Twitter to find everything there, though. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for, for popping on here again. It's Tag Talk on Fightful Overbook Sundays at 5 is when it premieres. I appreciate all the work uh, both of you do for Fightful Overbooked, and you are always very generous with your, your time and being timely and, and communication, so I really appreciate that. Bye, girls. Thank Bye, you. Girl. Bye, thank you. All right. SP3, we've, we've talked WWE. We've talked AEW. Big stuff happening in New Japan as well. Kushida is back in New Japan and we're going to talk about it. And we're joined by another guest from Overbooked, from the New Japan Overbooked podcast, from Wrestling. You've seen him on the show before. He was actually our first guest, our first interview guest on the spotlight. It's Kieran. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, guys? I'm good. How about you? Good, good. I appreciate you popping on and joining us, nah, man. A lot on. going on in the world of New Japan. You know, they just wrapped up Best of Super Juniors. Got the G1 coming up, obviously, Forbidden Door, but... And kind of the big thing this week was Kushida being back and Kenta also coming back and, and finally getting back at the ring as well. Hell yeah. I'm so damn excited that Kushida is back, man. There was lots of, you know, reports. Will he be a heavyweight? He wants this MMA thing, Bullet Club, and he just comes back and he's stick me in the junior division. I want to take on Ishimori, man. He's back. He's going to elevate everyone. It's going to be killer matches. It's, it's a good time to be a New Japan fan again. Where do you think Kushida kind of slots in? Because you said like there were reports he wanted to be heavyweight. He put it on Instagram post where he said like you know heavyweight's possible. He's moving to LA. It seems like he might do a lot of the New Japan strong stuff. Like where do you see Kushida kind of? He is older. Where do you see him like slotting in overall in New Japan? I think it's all gonna feel so fresh. Like he left off the back of a defeat to Ishimori at Wrestle Kingdom 13. So there's story there. You know, he's had a good feud with Hiromu. Like, Hiromu beat him in, like, three or four minutes at a Dominion show, I think it was. Like, embarrassed Kushida. You know, Desperado has come to the forefront now, and he's, like, a top player. You've got this influx of new talent, Ace Austin, Bullet Club, uh, Alex Zane's back for another tour as well. Um, And, yeah, he has said, you're right, that he's going to move to L.A., and then he's going to travel to Japan from L.A. 
and uh, he wants to be involved in the LA Dojo, and that's only a good thing because, yeah, he's like, without that, one of the best juniors in New Japan history. Um, it's just so it's so good to have him back. It was such a fun moment. I think they played it off perfectly with Desperado standing up from the announce table to confront Ishimori, and then the music hit, and the crowd just lost their minds. SV3, what do you think of uh, Kushida's return to New Japan? I, I told you guys, I'm very excited for this. Like, this is this is a totally different New Japan that he left in 2019, where, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, he came back and he's doing the same thing again. The junior heavyweight division is totally different. Like Karen said that, you know, Ishimori has come to the forefront. El Desperado is like the unsung ace of this whole division. And he's a totally different performer than he was three years ago. Him and Hiromu have that long history. Uh, you got El Fantasmo, who is in the G1 Climax, but he can always go back to the junior heavyweight division. Robbie Eagles is a former champion. I love his work. L. Lindemann has been in New Japan after the Best of the Super Juniors, and he was kind of my the guy that I kind of discovered in the Best of the Super Juniors 29 tournament. So I would love to see him versus Kushida. And like, like I said, you have El Fantasmo in the G1. You've had Hiromu in the New Japan Cup. It's totally different than what it was where they put you in a box in New Japan and you only had to wrestle the junior heavyweights he can go out and perform with the heavyweights whether it's in the open weight division in new japan strong if he's going to stay out in la or if it's in the open weight division in new japan and then he can move up to the u.s title and all the other championships so i think this is the best move for Kashida and much better than jack off masturbation time whatever he was doing in nxt <laughs> Uh, the G1 is coming up in a couple of weeks. It's different this year. They got four blocks. Um, and so they, they got four blocks with, I think, six six wrestlers in each block. Uh, and it's a different format. Back in the summer, handicap this thing for me. And who who looking at as, as an early favorite, Kieran? Uh, I don't know. That's really difficult to say. Um, I Before Jay White won the title, I would have said Naito. Because Naito, since the last Wrestle Kingdom in Tokyo Dome, has been like he wants to get back to the Tokyo Dome main event. And, uh, you know, he lost all these opportunities to Okada. His last chance is really the G1. But now that the title's on Jay, you know, you've got Okada as a, a guy that could totally win it. Um, Osprey could easily win his block, and there's no reason he couldn't make the final. It's like the last thing he hasn't done in New Japan, really. He's, like, done it all and won it all. Um, I think it's really open. And the fact that, yeah, it's this new seven people in four blocks thing really throws it all up in the air as well. Um like you could say you've got your picks that are going to win the block, but then who's going to win out of those four to make the to actually win the tournament is just fucking, you know, anyone's guess. SP3, who are you looking at as an early favorite in this thing? I'm going to go with Naito because I feel like he he has the most interesting kind of path to it. Like he said, he wants to get back to the Tokyo Dome main event. He has this history with Jay White. He beat him at Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome two years ago. But Jay White, it, like everybody else who's, who's the top guy in New Japan, he has a winning record against Naito. He beat him like, what, two or three times before he, he got that victory. Of course, Okada, I think, is going to be in the mix, and that's seems like it might be kind of the finals is Naito and Okada one more time uh, to kind of finish their rivalry for 2022. Um, so yeah, I would say Naito is the favorite, but Karen's absolutely right. This is so up in the air with the four block system and yeah, I really can't. I clearly can't say for sure. Usually, when it goes into the G one, I have my favorite, and I say I stick by it. But this one is so up in the air. But I'll go with Naito right now. 
I'm not ruling out Tanahashi. I, I don't know how long he has left, but one more Tokyo Dome main event for Tanahashi going through the G1, challenging for the title. That's a it's a big pop for them if they're they're able to do it. Yeah, the lack of I know we were all kind of hoping that there would be more like AEW representation in it, and maybe you get a big AEW title challenger at Tokyo Dome. I mean, Tanahashi's invited CM Punk to do a match there, whether or not that happens. Uh, the AEW representative is Lance Archer. I don't think anybody thinks he's winning. Uh, he's had some good G1 showings, but he's not he's not going to win this thing. Uh, I'm not writing off Tanahashi as like one last, and we've been saying this one last thing for Tanahashi for I feel like for years now. Uh, it feels like it could it could still happen as Tanahashi just he actually does have his one last match. Uh, last thing, Forbidden Door. What are you most looking forward to here? Uh, my camera has far as sorry it's being the worst i don't know why it's doing this um yeah it looks I mean, like he's angry at us yeah <laughs> I, I know the mustache makes it all look angrier sorry um well i mean i obviously i'm in the uk so i woke up to all the AEW news and then there was like 20 new matches announced and half the roster appeared um it was all a bit overwhelming uh after I, I can't remember the match of the card off the top of my head um i obviously being a new japan fan through and through the the IWGP World Heavyweight title match um, because it will be great to see Jay White finally get a defense. Like, there's Jesus Christ, if he loses that match, I will give up hope. Um, Like, (laughs) imagine if Adam Cole wins and we get Adam Cole in the G1 Climax. Um, There's some some cursed thoughts for you. Uh, But, um, (laughs) yeah, otherwise, probably, like, I'm such a huge Zack Sabre fan. I think he's easily the best technical wrestler in the world. And Danielson is a distant second. Uh, I will fight anyone on that opinion. Um, but yeah, no, just to see who he's going to get. Obviously, everyone's hoping for Cesaro. And if it is that, that's going to be absolutely incredible. Ken, we appreciate you joining us, popping on here. Uh, go ahead and, and get the, the plugs in where everyone can find you. Yeah, of course. I'm part of the New Japan uh, NJPW Overbook show alongside Matt from the Shining Wizards podcast. Uh, we record every two weeks. Um, and yeah, that goes up on the New uh, Fightful Overbook channel. And then I uh, have a podcast over at Wrestle In, Wrestle I Double N, uh, Noob Japan, where we just talk. Uh, every episode of the podcast is about a different wrestler from Japan. We just uh, dive into who they are and what makes them cool. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Everyone can check out uh, Karen and Matt from from Shining Wizards. Everyone go over to Shining Wizards as well. Support them over there. Uh, but the New Japan Overbooked is on Fightful Overbooked. Every every two weeks, I'm sure a big G1 preview fallout from Forbidden Door coming up in the next couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Sorry about my camera. We'll get an angry, angry man off of, off of our screen here. And, <laughs> and, and to give so one more plug, one more plug for Karen. He's going to be our special guest on True Hill Heat 181 on Saturday at 10.05 a.m. Eastern time. Special time as I'll be on over back on here on Fightful uh, for Grap City. So we're going to start at 10.05 a.m. Eastern time. True Hill Heat 181 on Saturday on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. And Kylie was our guest on True Hill Heat 180 this past week. So you can go back and watch that as well. So you, you, I, lo- I love the synergy. Was I, synergy was I the guest on 179? Yeah, yeah, you were the guest on 179. <laughs> so all the guests for the past three weeks of True Hill Heat have been on the show so far. Great you stuff. You are the forbidden door, SV3. You are the forbidden door. Uh, I appreciate our uh, some contributors from Five Flower Book popping on. Uh, we, everybody can go over there. And I'll go. I'll plug this now and I'll plug it at the end of the show. But tonight on Fightful Overbooked, it is a big show with myself and SV3 and more special guests. I know Romeo from True Hill Heat is going to be joining us. 
I think I can convince Sean Ross Sapp to pop on and, and join us because we did a draft watch along years ago. It was the Bull Bull draft. Um, this is this is when Fightful was like just starting out because Bull Bull's been in the league for like five years now. Yeah, uh, we did we did it on the main site, the the draft watch along, and we were ready to wrap up by like the end of the first round, but we'd gotten stuck on Bull Bull. And we were like, oh, we can't we can't go until Bull Bull gets picked. And he finally got picked. And they were like, okay, we'll wrap it up. And we were planning on doing like draft watch alongs every year after that. And it just never came to fruition. Uh, but now we are doing it tonight. So I'm pretty sure I can convince Sean to jump on. But I know Romeo will be there. Obviously, SB3 now will be there. Go over to Fight Flower Book. That's going to start just before 8 o'clock, our NBA draft watch along. Um, before we wrap up this show, the main event. You're right, JJ. We saved We saved it for the main event. Impact Slammiversary. I thought this was a great show, SV3. Top to bottom. Like, it was a really strong show. I love the main event. I, I saw some people complain, like, oh, they just did a bunch of Impact callback stuff. Like, yeah, well, they were celebrating 20 years. Like, they were doing callbacks to the past. I thought that a great match. Josh Alexander is one of the best in the world. Uh, Speedball Bailey solidifying his status as best in the world. Uh, that's my wrestler of the year. I don't think he'll get it because he just hasn't had big platform matches, even though he's wrestled the likes of Suzuki and John Moxley. He's, he's unfortunately he's on impact. Uh, but I thought this was a great show. They celebrated the past without, without it being like overkill of like, Hey, we've been here 20 years and we're dying. Like, no impacts hard to kill. They're still moving forward. Like people were mad. There's like, Oh, where was Samoa Joe? Where was, where was Christopher Daniels? Where was Jeff Jarrett? like they got three big names with sting aj and angle they celebrated the past they built towards the future i thought this was a great show yeah they had three of the four that i would put on the mount rushmore of tna impact wrestling and aj styles was the biggest get and i i i I had to thank WWE on Twitter for letting that happen because that was something I didn't expect to happen, but it just felt so right because AJ Styles is the unquestionable GOAT of TNA and Impact Wrestling of their history. He was the guy that was the first ever X Division champion, multi-time heavyweight champion. He won pretty much every single title for the promotion. Like you said, the main event exceeded any and all expectations going in. I think when people saw that Eric Young was the challenger for Josh Alexander, everybody knows Josh Alexander is one of the best wrestlers in the world who might not, you know, be out on the forefront or be out on a major platform, but he has still been so consistent at delivering big matches, especially this year with his match against Moose at Rebellion and then his match against Tomorrow Ishii at Under Siege. But this match was just as good as those two previous matches. I love that Eric Young, and they did it in a cool way of paying tribute to the past of, of Impact Wrestling where you had Eric, uh, Eric Young doing all the heel moves, the heels that have become more famous, like the guitar shot they had the referee bump you get the you had the dust in the referee's eyes and stuff great stuff like that and then you had uh and even pulling up the mat like bully ray which bully ray that was one of his major things when he was the leader of aces and eight and then you had uh josh alexander pulling out the styles clash doing the samoa joe face wash and then in the end he overcame everything with the st joe and then the uh c4 spike on the wooden place under the mat for the win that was great my match of the night honestly it was between either the x division uh 
Ultimate X match because I've been a, on that speedball Mike Bailey bandwagon ever since he started performing on the independent scene this year. His matches in GCW have been amazing. I don't think a lot of people talk about his classic in Los Angeles against Blake Christian in February. Still one of my favorite independent matches of the year. Like you said, he's versus John Moxley in Wrestling Revolver and Josh Alexander. He's versus uh, Minoru Suzuki in GCW. He's been tearing it up all over the independent scene more recently versus Takeshna at West Coast Pro. So to see him win the X Division uh, championship, it just felt like a crowning achievement. I didn't think it would happen. I thought they would keep the title on Ace Austin since he just joined the Bullet Club, but I was very happy to be wrong and see that surprise for Speedball to get the win. But my match of the night by far was the Queen of the Mountain match. Never has there been a more convoluted stipulation that has consistently delivered great matches like the King of the Mountain or the Queen of Mountain. Like it's a it's a reverse ladder match. It shouldn't make any type of sense, but it just always works. I remember all the past ones from the first couple of Slam Anniversary events. Um, especially the one with like AJ Styles, Chris Harris, Jeff Jarrett. That's like one of my favorite ones. But this one might be just up there. And this was another surprise result with Jordan Grace getting the win. And it felt like it was kind of like time for Jordan Grace to get that big victory and to regain the knockouts title because she won the championship just before the pandemic and was the champion for the pandemic. And then here comes Deanna Parazza, who becomes the ace of the knockouts division. So her ring got cut short and she's just been all over the place. The, any type of hole they needed to fill in impact, they just put Jordan Grace, whether it's in the tag team division with W. Morrissey, whether it's in the X division and Ultimate X matches like at Multiverse of Madness, whether it's in the tag, the women's, uh, the knockouts tag team division with her stuff with Rachel Ellering. It just felt like it was time to kind of repay that and pay it forward and have her win. But all the ladies performed so well. And that insane bump from Deanna Parazzo oh. and Chelsea Green. That was one of the nastiest falling off a ladder through a table spot that I've seen since Bubba Ray Dudley back in those TLC days. That was vicious. That was scary. I'm glad they're both okay. Glad they've been able to wrestle since then. But all five ladies delivered. Tasha Steeles, Mia Yim with the Shelter Benjamin callback. That was great. So everybody performed so well. And top to bottom, this was one of my favorite shows of the year. Like I do roundtable reviews over on True Hill Heat, and I rated this pay-per-view above Double or Nothing, Hell in a Cell, all the past couple of pay-per-views that people have enjoyed, I thought Slammiversary was just slightly better. I, it's tough to disagree with it, because top to bottom, it was a, a tremendous show. Like, the in-ring action was there. They had all the great callbacks. I love the Tanae and, and Don West video. Like, that was great. They had the great callback. Yeah, the yeah. AJ Styles thing, it is... Um, with AJ... I just, I just got word on what the, the Ric Flair match is going to be. Uh, it's, oh, uh, boy. It's, we got breaking news. Uh, I don't know if I can say it because I don't want to spoil it. And I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you in the private chat. And then, sorry, everybody. Uh, I'll tell you in the private chat, and then we'll just see sort of your reaction, all right? Okay. Uh, all right, hold on. All right, there you go, SV3. You, you check the private chat. I know what you think there. <laughs> That's what it is, apparently. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh God. So he 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 worked us. He worked us all. Oh God. 
<laughs> there you go, everyone. That'll come. There's the press conference. I think at one o'clock, two o'clock today. I think it's at two o'clock today. Um, so that's the big press conference. Yeah. And there you go. We we'll see. We'll see how that's gonna go. Um, Impact Slammiversary was a great show. The AJ Styles thing. It's like we shouldn't think WWE. But I guess we like have to. But honestly, like just let the man. It's you're sending in a video. You've worked with Impact before because Mickey James was at Royal Rumble and everything. Like it's not a big deal to send in a video. It was good to see. I don't think anybody expected it. I ain't thinking WWE being like, hey, thanks for letting this guy who is an independent contractor send in this video where for this company where most people know him from or where he got his start from, where he really honed his craft at. Like, I'm not thanking WWE for that. It's the minimum thing to do. But like we, we've said it many times, like the, uh, when Brody, Brody Lee passed, that was the, the biggest thing of like, oh, AEW's Twitter account is like retweeting WWE accounts. This is weird. It's like, it shouldn't be though, right? Like they're, they're all wrestlers. They're all friends. This shouldn't be yeah. weird, but we've grown accustomed to because of WWE just wanting to be their own universe. We've grown accustomed to where this stuff doesn't happen. But it was good to see. I'm glad AJ was able to do it. Uh, I'm not thanking WWE though. It was the minimum they could have done for something like this. Honestly, like the bare minimum that they could have done. They should have had AJ show up and beat Josh Alexander for the title and take the title back to WWE Raw with him. That's what they should have done. SB3. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, but that, that's you know that's the minimum they could do with the, the receipt because impact probably i heard people like oh how much did aj get paid for that no that was impact being like yo y'all needed to fill in y'all women's raw rumble because y'all fired a whole bunch of people and we let y'all have our top champion mickey jays with her hardcore country theme with the knockouts championship you couldn't even call it the knockouts title you called it the impact woman's title um so you at least need to have AJ Styles send us a video. Hey, they got they got the minimum out of it. It was good. I don't think anybody expected it. JJ said he lost it when he saw AJ Styles. Yeah, I don't. I didn't expect it. That's for sure. So yeah. good on them. Impact Slam anniversary. Great show. I hope they they follow it up with some with some good television. I know they got Josh Alexander and Joe Doring. They announced that for the next uh, Impact Plus special. Alexander's on a great run. He's in Wrestle of the Year contention as well. Uh, but being on impact, I just don't know if he's he's gonna quite get that that shine that he deserves because he's had a he's had a great run. He's doing great independent matches too. Uh, real quickly on the the indie spotlight, yours was Nick Wayne against Will Ospreay, and also Casey Navarro winning the Warrior Wrestling Championship. I saw the Nick Wayne versus Will Ospreay was gonna be mine as well because this match this might be match of the year stuff. And Nick Wayne, I mean, we don't know how the industry is gonna play out in the next two years when Wayne is like officially signed to AEW when he's 18. But man, if this kid isn't one of like the top guys in the business by the time he turns 20, because he is, he's a prodigy, man. He, he has it all. I don't know how like his indie stuff is going to translate to television wrestling, but he's getting an early start on a lot of this stuff. Woo. He's good. He's really, really good. If you haven't seen Osprey uh, and Wayne from GCW, I never liked you like seek that one out. Cause it was, it was a special match. 
yeah, it just felt so like like a dream match. Even though Nick Wayne is a relative unknown, it just those fans in GCW have kind of just adopted them as like their guy. And that crowd in Providence, that was like a concert crowd. It was in a concert hall. Basically, everybody standing. It was around the ring. It felt like one of those old school PWG matches when no one had seats and they'd be all around the ring and just Will Ospreay come in as this like outsider his first time in gcw just made for just a an electric atmosphere and the crowd just rallying behind nick wayne and you know the reversals the little interactions uh nick wayne busting out the os cutter the clout cutter on him for a great near fall uh just the reversals of the Stormbreaker, how osprey just kept trying to go for his finisher and Nick Wayne just found different ways to reverse out of it and then the the post-match promo just was like the cherry on top because the Osprey kind of let down the veil of his heel character and kind of talked honestly about how I've been saying this ever since I saw Nick Wayne. He's an Osprey clone. He looks like Osprey in a lot of ways. If Osprey had brown hair and was 16, that's how he would look. And he even had to acknowledge that. Like maybe we got the same mom and bigging up his mom because she's she, you know, she's traveling around the world. They're from Seattle. This show was in Providence. That's a long either flight or car ride for them to make that trip. And she wanted to see her son have the dream match that he wanted. He said when he couldn't, uh, you know, perform at G the world on GCW, an event I was at in the Hammerstein ballroom, he told Joey Janela, I want Will Ospreay. And to finally have that matchup, it just felt so special. Yeah. It's, it's, my in my eyes, it's the best independent match I saw all year. Like for a long time, like I said earlier, I was saying speedball Mike Bailey versus Blake Christian. I changed that to Will Ospreay versus Blake Christian for Warrior Wrestling. That was another great matchup. And then this one kind of like topped all of them with two of the guys that I was talking about earlier. So yeah, go out of your way to watch that show and watch the whole entire GCW I Never Liked You show, as well as GCW You Wouldn't Understand. Both of those nights were just like like Joey Janela said it best on Twitter, two all-time independent shows. Like the the New York show, I was supposed to be there. If I wasn't still in the UK, I'm like stuck here at this point. I would have been at that show. And John Moxley versus Tony Deppin. Tony Deppin showed out in that matchup. That was like hard hitting, physical. It was like the exact opposite of what you got in Nick in Nick Wayne and Will Osprey, where they're doing all the moves, all the counter work. This one is just physical, hard hitting. Uh, uh, Tony Deppin had a black eye the next day after that matchup, so they went out there and beat the heck out of each other. And then you get Will Osprey and Nick Wayne the following night. That also that show also had Blake Christian versus Jordan Oliver, which was uh, a fantastic opener. So both shows were just classic all time in the independent shows uh i agree um i haven't seen everything from from both show i did watch moxley and Deppin because i'll watch anything moxley does it, it moxley i mean we were talking a lot about wrestling here that's another guy who's got a strong case and maybe the strongest because he does yeah. have a big platform on top of like all the indie stuff that he's done uh when you talk about like aw WWE guys it feels like it's moxley and and seth rollins at WWE because seth rollins has had some some killer matches this year yeah indie guys uh it, it's it's still speedball i don't know if speedball is ever gonna really relinquish this but nick wayne's on a great run will osprey is gonna make his case in the g1 as he typically does uh, he's gonna have a bunch of killer matches 
and that Will Ospreay might make his case against Orange Cassidy on Sunday because I'm really looking forward to that match. But yeah, definitely seek out uh, the GCW shows specifically if you only have uh, time to watch a few things. Moxley and Deppin and Osprey and Nick Wayne. I think those are the, I think those are the two standout matches uh, from both shows. But both shows were were very good. SB3, I want to thank you for for doing this on on short notice and again we ripped up the format a little bit, but still covered everything we needed to cover in the world of wrestling. Uh, let people know on the 500 platforms that they can find you on. Uh, well, for everything, you could just go out and follow me on the Twitter machine right under here, True Hill SP3. But Mondays, I'm on uh, Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast YouTube channel with Rick Uchino. I'm on there um, Mondays, to, uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, as well as Thursdays. We do reviews of the weekly shows like Raw, AEW Dynamite, as well as talk about the news. Uh, you can also find on Mondays at 8 p.m. UK, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Inside the Ropes Clips, ITR Clips YouTube channel with Alex McCarthy and Satie Nyangi on Monday Night Live, where we talk about the weekend and the week that was in professional wrestling. You can also find me on Fightful Overbooked on Mondays with FMC, First Morning Chat, First Morning Coffee, First, <laughs> all the other things. My my wife was like, it should be MMC at this point. I was like, no, oh, FMC can for, for, anything. There's an M, First Monday Coffee, like First Monday exactly. Chat. Like, yeah, it, it works. Exactly. We make it work. And we talk about everything outside of wrestling. So we talk about NBA. We talk about other sports, NHL. I get to laugh at Jeremy ranting about the NHL oh, every single oh, week. Oh, SP3. Uh, SP3. We're up three to one after last night. We're up three to one. We won in overtime. It's so close. It's so, but here's the thing I've been in the three to one spot before, right? I've been here in 2016. I know what this is like. I I don't have any. We're still losing. Game seven's next Tuesday. We're going to lose in seven. I'm not getting my confidence up. I've been riding the, the pessimistic train the whole way. We've done pretty well. I'm not getting my confidence up Friday. Game game, game five is tomorrow, JJ. Um, I'm not getting, we're going to blow this. And I'm going to be so disappointed and be so angry. We're going to blow this. So, so he might not be on next week's FMC if that happens, but I sprinkled the SP3 good luck. So the abs are going to win and he's going to be on FMC next Monday with me. Uh, you can also find me on the Wrestle Talk podcast YouTube channel with Sati Nyangi on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. UK. We review NXT 2.0. The best way to get your review of NXT 2.0 if you don't want to watch the show, just watch me and Sat on Wednesdays where we review the show. And then my main home, which is the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. Later today, I'll be live with Jimmy Macaram reviewing AEW Dynamite in depth at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Time on AE Ramble. And then Saturdays is usually at 11.05 a.m. Eastern Time. It's our flagship podcast where we talk about all the news all the shows everything from professional wrestling from wwe aew new japan everything they usually get on spotlight we do it we do it over on true hill heat jeremy's been on there true hill heat 179 like i said earlier kylie was on true hill heat 180 and then this saturday we starting at 10 05 a.m eastern time with kieran and we're going to be 
previewing AEW New Japan Forbidden Door, talking about the week from wrestling, Triple H returning to NXT, all the news. It's It wasn't as busy as last week, so we're going to make it a shorter <laughs> show because I'll be here on Fightful YouTube channel on Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern time with Phil Lindsay and Righteous Reg on Grab City. So that's everything. I think that's everything I have to plug for now. <laughs> SV3, The Forbidden Door, Mr. New Media. I don't know how many other nicknames you got. Uh, again, we'll be back. Dutch, Dutch Mantel approved wrestling historian. That's my other nickname. There you go. Um, SV3 and I will be back later tonight. We're going to spend our evening together. We spent our morning together this morning. We're going to spend our night together uh, just before 8 o'clock. We'll probably go live about 7.45, 7.50, give or take. The NBA Draft. Our watch along for the NBA draft. We're going to watch the lottery together. My Oklahoma City Thunder had the second pick. Uh, we also have the 12th pick. A lot of rumors out there. We're going to talk about the, there was the Jeremy Grant trade yesterday. We'll talk about the Jeremy yeah. Grant trade. We'll talk about all the rumors. We'll talk about the draft. So big watch along tonight with SB3 and I and some other guests popping on. I know Romeo is confirmed. I think I can get Sean to pop on. Might have some other people pop on. You never know who could uh, appear on our basketball NBA drafts, watch along. SB3, thank you again for doing this on sh- such short notice. Thank you to, to Haley, Kylie, and Kieran for popping on on short notice as well. Everyone head over to Fightful Overbooked. Day After Dynamite is later on today. I Three or four, I don't know. Will Washington just kind of does whatever the hell he wants over there, and he goes live whenever he wants on the channel. But Day After Dynamite at some point today, I don't, I don't know who the guest is. I'm sure I'll be making a run-in on that show because that's my gimmick on that show now. So, again, thank you. Thank you to SB3. Thank you to everybody for watching. We'll talk to you all next week and tonight on Fightful Overbooked. Join us, 8 o'clock. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.